Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsu Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. No thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Do you want a bra that's sexy? or a bra that's comfortable. Thanks to 3rd Love, you can have both. 3rd Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. This week has illustrated how social media and the cable news cycle can wear us down. Today, we try to inject a little nuance into the continuing sagas surrounding the Clintons, Trump, and the Cincinnati Zoo. This is Sarah from the left. And Beth from the right. You're listening to Pantsu Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. Welcome, and thank you to our new subscriber, Megan, and as always, to Nicolette Page and Sydney. Before we start, I want to apologize to the Pantsuit Politics world for what I'm calling the cursed episode on Tuesday. So in addition to not having Sarah for the episode, I recorded it with strep throat, had a number of technical problems, and wrote down the wrong name of our listener who inspired the episode. So, Lindsay in Colorado, I am so sorry for that mistake. Thank you very much for the message. And to everyone who downloaded it and only got part of the episode, like, 
I'm just sorry. It was cursed. I hope that it didn't bring any like bad juju into your life because that's how damaging I feel the whole situation around my week has been. And I got simultaneous strep throat, which I think is super weird. That's not helpful when you do a podcast, I just want to say, to the universe. Like, if you could not attack both of us with strep throat at one time, that would be awesome. I mean, I feel like this is not the first time we've both gotten sick at the same, like, in the same week. What's going on? Are we passing it through our microphones? I mean, you would think that we're around each other all the time with that kind of thing happening, but no, like, hundreds of miles between us. I don't know. That's weird. All right, so today we're going to tackle more on the Clintons, voting third party, Cincinnati Zoo, all this stuff, this great feedback we we get from everybody. So we're going to we're going to kick off Friday feedback with some two really wonderful emails we got about Hillary and Bill and some of the comments we made and I think the last briefcase. You want to start, Beth? We got a great message from someone who wanted to remain anonymous. I really want to read like the whole message, but I'm going to try to edit a little bit just for time's sake. So she writes, this morning I listened to the Friday Feedback Show where you talked about the David Brooks article on Hillary and you mentioned the way that the media treated Hillary during and after the Monica Lewinsky scandal. It really hit an emotional nerve with me because I was one of the women who judged Hillary so hard for staying with Bill. I went around saying things like I'd cut his balls off and I cannot believe she would even think about staying with him after that and all kinds of amazing nuanced things like that. And then it happened to me. I felt all the things you feel when something like that happens. But on top of that, at one point, I started to feel so horrible about all the things I'd felt and said about Hillary during that time. Not only was she going through one of the most painful things you can ever deal with as a woman in a marriage, but she had to do it in front of everyone. I cannot imagine what that was like for her, and she will forever be my spirit animal because of it. I actually went back and read parts of her her memoir where she talked about the whole experience in order to gain some perspective and strength during the time I was dealing with all those emotions. I remember thinking, if she can do this in the public eye and emerge with the grace she did, I can do it too. Maybe that's super sappy, but it was one of the things that really helped me. David Brooks can shove that entire article up his ass. Not nuanced, (laughs) don't care. While my story didn't end like hers did, I can tell you that I will never, ever judge another woman's choices in her marriage. Hillary stayed, I did not, and those choices were equally valid. It's so easy to say I'd never tolerate that, but then you remember that you built a life and a relationship and a world with someone, and you don't just walk away from that on a vague notion of principle ignorantly held. I think that American women need to remember that Hillary, the Hillary who handled a deeply personal matter with such grace and dignity and held her head high and went on to build one of the most amazing resumes for any person ever to run for president. Bill's affair did not define her, and I will not be voting for her solely based on any of the things I just said, but I'll be damned if I let anyone drag her through the mud again on that point in my immediate vicinity. And I really have nothing to add to that. Yep. (laughs) Bravo, Anonymous. <laughs> well, and, you know, I responded to her, and I'll share this link on her in the show notes. I had my very first true love cheated on me with one of my sorority sisters. It was an incredibly painful thing to go through, and that was just like my college sweetheart, or high school slash sweetheart. And so I can't imagine having that happen in a marriage after many years of marriage in a public forum. But it's like, you know... You just start to doubt yourself. You trusted this person. So if you trusted this person and you were wrong, what else can you not trust, including your own instincts about that person? It's just such a mind game and it's such a difficult thing to go through. And I will never, ever forget her, them walking out to air or to the helicopter and Chelsea was holding both of their hands and standing between them. It was like the first time that she'd been seen publicly. 
it's like burned into my memory and you know I just can we all acknowledge like we don't know we don't know what it's like to be married to Bill Clinton and we don't know what it's like to be married to Hillary Clinton and man just a little bit of grace for a, a situation that was incredibly difficult and should not be used as political fodder yeah I just I agree I mean, I just think people value different things in marriage. As you know, you shared the article from Rebecca Traster that a lot of people reacted to. And I I thought this section about their marriage was interesting. I don't find it difficult at all to believe that they have this sort of come home, talk about your day, watch TV together and fall asleep thing happening. I mean, I think... Side note, that part about how he gets grumpy if the, the people who handle him... Because I just want to say that ring that rings so true to me because that's how people... Like, I've been on advanced teams and that's how they talk about... That's how you sort of talk about the person you're handling, like what makes them grumpy and like that kind of thing. And so when the, the, she was talking about how people who handle Bill talk about he gets grumpy if he's away from her too long, I thought that part was amazing. Well, I just totally believe that. I mean, that just sounds like what marriage is. And I mean, people people just make all kinds of different choices and trade-offs. It's not like anybody's marriage is anyone else's ideal of marriage, right? Like we just all have different mm-hmm. perspectives and different things we're looking for. And so, I mean, a shut up about this, I think, is my feeling. Now, I completely understand, and we've made this point before, there's a difference between sort of someone has some indiscretions or some kind of arrangement in their marriage versus an abuse of power and versus aiding in that abuse of power. But that's not what we're talking about right now, right? We're talking about the fact that he had this affair, these affairs, uh, whatever, and people judging her for her decision to stay with him or not. She's not going to win in that scenario, and I agree. We should just give her grace about that. Well, we also got another email from Marsha who made a really great point, and she said, I would just like to acknowledge a point of view that people are not talking with regard to Hillary and her relationship with Bill. No one seems to be stating that her reconciliation with Bill is an enormous statement of her ability to compromise, negotiate, and resolve issues. Infidelity is a tremendous issue in a marriage, let alone one so widely publicized. Hillary made a decision to fight for her marriage and for her family. She did what she could to compromise, negotiate, and suffer public condemnation for her decision. That should show people how far she is willing to fight for what she believes is right. No one knows what the negotiations were, but clearly is, was, and continues to be difficult. This should be pointed out as a strong characteristic and demonstrate her ability to work with opposition to come to resolution. We may not know the terms of the negotiation, but we never know the negotiation terms with Congress and the White House. The fight for her marriage should be a strong characteristic of her for her to get into the White House and not be bullied by Trump. I may not agree with her staying with her husband, but I applaud her resolve to do so. I think that's a really good point. I never really thought about that. I th- and I think it is indicative of her ability to just... is, And I think it's also indicative of what sort of Traster gets at with this article, which is her desire for privacy. Because I think there's a lot of what's tied up with her ability to resolve things and compromise, but not is not the best at sort of putting a public face on these abilities and what and her thought process and what she's going through. And I think that's all sort of tied up together and really is, is indicative of who she is as a person, this sort of resolve ability to fight through hard things, but maybe not the best at communicating what that took, but still, you know, what's more important being able, like I love the part of the trace article where she says like, maybe we should reformulate our idea of leadership that it's like a man making great speeches. Like maybe it's something else. And I think that's, you can definitely look at, Marsha's point about her marriage to to think about that. We got messages in a couple of different formats to saying some version of, wow, our generation thinks of Bill Clinton as this inspirational and perfect president. And Hillary is always, you know, carrying his baggage. And how unfair is that? And how her candidacy is probably reshaping the way a lot of people look at him. 
Because now we're in a place as a society where we can realize like, no, that was his fault, <laughs> you know, not mm-hmm. hers. So it's interesting. And I think the way that she uh, injects him into the campaign, pulls him back, brings him in and pulls him back, just speaks to her overall complexity as a person. And I don't know, I think complex people are the most interesting and definitely the kind of people I want in my life the most, you know, so putting aside all the policy differences I have with her, I I do find all of this kind of fascinating and it sort of endears her to me. And Oliver had another point. He was, he emailed us and said, you know, what happens if we flip the genders? What happens if Hillary's the serial flanderer and, you know, Bill's the one who stuck by her side? How does that change the narrative? And if it does, then what does that mean about our thoughts about this marriage? Because he, the man was the flanderer and the woman was the one who stayed by his side. Yeah, and Oliver also made the point that, like, we there's no dispute that Trump is a philanderer as well, <laughs> and that it's that that's not really part of the Trump story. There's there's a story about Trump and women generally, but it isn't about his fidelity and his marriages so much, and, and that's just true. I don't know what to say about it other than it so depresses me that this kind of behavior is part of both major tickets going into the general election this year, but... It's, I, I, I mean, there is just a double standard. There just is, right? It just applies yeah. to her differently, and it is unfortunate, and that's where we are. And hopefully all this conversation about it helps us be in a different place in four years, eight years, whatever. We'll be- just finished A Court of Thorns and Roses and craving another fantasy world to devour? Dipsy's got you. Dive into spicy enemies to lovers' tales or embark on an epic romance between immortal fae and sworn foes. They've got fantasy romance stories perfect for your morning walk, late night, or long bath. Dipsy is an app full of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods and goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash pantsuit. dipseastories.com slash pantsuit. If you're looking for a very quick salon quality, but not salon priced manicure, Olive and Jean has you covered. We've talked about Olive and Jean's Manny system before. It has everything that you need for a professional manicure in one box, salon grade tools, your choice of six polishes. Those polishes are gonna last you for seven days or more. The cost breaks down to about $2 a manicure. Olive and Jean also has press-ons if you want. What I love though, is that Olive and June each season is coming out with new colors. And I just got a set of spring and summer colors in quick dry polish. And they say this dries in about a minute. It seemed dry to me in about 30 seconds. It was not kidding about being quick dry. I also love the light colors in this set. There is a huge range. My favorite one is called Kitten. It's like a pinkish gray. 
The quick dry polish gives you full coverage in one or two coats. It lasts for more than five days and it is offered in more than 40 cruelty-free and vegan polishes. Olive and June just understands what's happening in our lives, that we need to move quickly, but we want to look great and feel great and have fun in the process. Visit oliveandjune.com slash for 20% off your first system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash P-A-N-T-S-U-I-T for 20% off your first Manny system. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash pantsy. Also got a message from Shelby. So she was responding to the cursed episode from Tuesday where I talked about my feeling that I, I plan to vote for a third party a couple of times just in the interest of transparency. And Shelby said, what can you say to people who believe that a vote for a third party is a vote for Hillary Clinton? I've read so many feeds about how voting third party will destroy our country and it's just another vote for Hillary. I don't know how that works. Maybe I'm naive. I'm new to the whole politics game. After what Ben Carson said about a third party putting us in danger, a lot of people I know won't even consider it. How can we have a nuanced discussion about voting on principle and not have people attack us or say we're out to destroy the conservative agenda? I have all the feelings about this. One, and I said this in response on Facebook, I think that anyone who believes that there is a unified conservative agenda right now is just living in a fantasy world. I think that's not true anymore. I also think that looking to Ben Carson as a master of our electoral process is a mistake. The bigger thing that I want to say about this is that I think... The idea that the math, in quotes with capital letters, is some kind of force that we are all subject to is part of what got us here. We, and we, have, we have subjugated ourselves to the math for a long time without realizing, like, in how recent memory people, like, recent memory of me, even though I was young, there was a thought that a Democrat might not be able to win the White House again. You know, that was the story when Bill Clinton was running. The math couldn't, you couldn't have a Democrat in the White House. The math is what we say it is because we're the people voting. And I don't know that a third party wins, but I think every time a third party becomes a stronger player, it's beneficial to the process. And I think that you do vote on principle. And I think that there is a possibility in this particular election, especially for enough people to say, no, I'm attracted to this third idea, especially when you think about the length of the process, it is highly possible that people are so worn out with both parties by the time we get to November 
that someone new could ride in on a horse, right? We, we hear all the time that that's impossible. And definitely there are ballot access challenges. There are fundraising challenges. But we live in a brave new world in a lot of ways, too. I don't know. Maybe I'm naive also, but I, I think a third party could pull through. And there's a big part of me. I saw a great tweet about this. I wish I could recall it verbatim. But the person basically said, electability is not on my list of traits that I'm looking for in deciding how to cast my vote. Like if there's a candidate who represents my values and I on principle think I need to vote for this person, this is the only person that I can in good conscience put my support behind, then everybody can kind of shove the math, right? Because that's my vote and I get to do with it what I want to do. I mean, I'm more a pragmatic than principled voter. This is where we part ways a little bit. I am Obviously, it's not my concern about another vote for Hillary. I love it that she's this end-of-the-world scenario. There is no scenario, let's say, I'm trying to think somebody on the Democratic side that I would really have difficulty stomaching. I can't think off the top of my head. But, like, if there if there was some candidate, but it was between, like, them and, quote-unquote, another, you know, helping Donald Trump win the White House, I would hold my nose and vote for whoever... Well, you know, I can think of a good scenario in the Kentucky governor's race. <laughs> I was not particularly pleased with my choice as a Democrat, but I don't care. I'm not going to help elect the other side. And I don't mean the other side as just the, a party that I that I disagree with. I don't have a problem with that. It's that somebody that I feel, it, you know, is truly dangerous. I mean, so it, it would take a while. The threat is not simply an opposing viewpoint for me, but the threat of someone I think if elected could do a lot of damage, could cost a lot of people a lot people's lives could cost, you know, would make decisions that I think are truly harmful to the everyday lives of American people, then yeah, I'll hold my nose and vote. I don't care. I don't, I'm, I'm way more pragmatic about it. But I think that everybody being pragmatic in, you know, quotes, I guess, leads to this scenario where we never have a third party because we always believe that that can't happen. So we're going to pragmatically vote against someone instead of for someone. Well, I mean, it's not, but it's not at a certain point. I mean, I think you can fight as hard as you can for that. But we have polls. I mean, it's not like you're hoping for, I mean, there's a difference between fighting and getting to a realistic scenario. Like I've read a little bit about and heard little people, uh, some people talk about Ross Perot. And there was a point at one point where he could have made it, but he sort of petered out. He ran out of money. I mean, if the polling is on your side, I don't think it's, I guess what I'm saying is there is a way to walk into the voting booth and understand this is our chance for a third party. The polling says we're close enough to make a difference. Then yeah, do it. But if you walk into the polling booth, I guess what I'm saying is you're just you're not always just walking in with a wing and a prayer. You have information that says this is going to be this is what's going to happen. And the decision as far as wanting a third party should be in the the actions you're taking in support of a third party should extend way beyond the voting booth, right? It should be going months before. There's a lot of work to get something like that off the ground. And support a, a you know a movement like that needs, and that's where you should be putting your effort, not sort of walking in and saying, "Man, I really wish we had a third party." The voting is where I'm going to make this wish come true. Does that make sense? I don't know. I'm not conveying what I'm trying to say very well. But. No, I get it. And maybe our compromised answer to Shelby is to say to people, "It's too early to be talking like that." If you say that in May, then yeah, it's not going to happen. But there's a lot of time between May and November. And we have a lot of power in that window of time. Right. So I guess the, the, because, okay, so I totally agree. Cosign, that's our nuanced position. The discussion isn't voting for a third party. It's a support of a third party. And that extends 
months before the voting booth and includes decisions beyond who you're going to vote for. And what you're saying is if we get to November and Gary Johnson is at 8% and and two percentage points separate Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, then you then you consider the more pragmatic course and I remain on the idealistic course. And that's where we right. are. Pragmatic. Yeah. Agreed. Okay, so we're going to talk, even though I think neither of us want to. I don't want to. About the Cincinnati Zoo. And I, I want to be like full disclosure before we dive into this subject. You would have a really difficult time finding someone who loves the Cincinnati Zoo more than I do. We are members there. There are a number of lawyers in the firm that I work who have a relationship with the zoo. It's well documented. I just like a couple of weeks ago, met Thane Maynard, who has been in the news so much. He's the zoo director. Our firm had an event at the zoo. He came over and met my daughter and has, I've never seen someone interact with a baby in such a kind and generous way. And that's saying something, right? So I have a huge bias walking into this discussion. I believe that the people at the zoo do really good work, care a ton about the animals at the zoo, and are absolutely devastated about all of this. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online, and we were discussing the fact that I am 43, and she said, I cannot believe how young you look, and I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered shower head purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code PANTSUIT at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. 
Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. So that's a good point. Here's where I think we should start in this discussion. The Cincinnati Zoo cares deeply about its animals and its visitors. The mother of this child cares deeply about the safety of her own child because this is where the parenting angle of this bugs me. I've written about this on my blog. When you criticize another parent's decision, particularly with regards to the safety of their child, I feel like the underlying assumption is you care more about the safety of their child than they do, which is crazy time. Well, Debbie sent us a tweet about this that that said, any thoughts on the absolute incompetence and biased journalism happening in response to the Cincinnati Zoo? And my first point is totally agree with that characterization because you turn on the news and read the coverage of it. And I don't know why I keep reading it. I guess I just want to torture myself. But even the factual reporting accounts are totally inconsistent. The child was three. No, the child was four. He dropped 10 feet, no 15 feet. The gorilla was 400 pounds, no 450 pounds. The gorilla was as strong as six men, no 20 men. No, you know, I mean, it's like all over the place. And you can just see in that coverage, I almost feel like this is just one of those made up things that the news media kind of goes, God, people are going to react so strongly to this one way or another. Let's do it. (laughs) Let's give them what they want. Well, I think it's difficult for me to determine what came first, the chicken or the egg? Because it does seem like there was some online activism regarding this before maybe the media caught on, that people were setting up the Facebook pages and the online petitions and were, were incredibly upset about the death of this animal, as we all should be. And then that sort of, that was building, and then the media came in and just, you know, sort of threw fuel to the fire. I think there's a lot of things going on here. I I think which is becoming a conversation in our society, rightly so, about sort of mob mentality and the viralness of this sort of shaming situation. But, you know, I first learned about it because everybody on my Facebook feed was like, dude, calm down. Do not attack this mother. We've all been there. For the most part, that's, that's what all my people were saying. And I feel like, you know, anybody who is being incredibly judgmental has never had to keep their eye on a toddler before, especially while managing other children. I just think this situation doesn't require a side. It sucks. Mm-hmm. It happened. It was terrible for everybody. The end. And why do we have to blame? It's just like people want to blame so badly. I, you know, I feel like we're not really great at this in, as, a, as a culture of accepting that there are accidents. Right. There are just accidents. No system is perfect. No situation is accident proof you know it doesn't mean that the barriers weren't the best they could be there's no perfect barrier um it doesn't mean that you know i kept thinking about do you remember dr robin on oprah no did you ever watch oprah 
Oh, you'd love Dr. Robin. I was such a Dr. Robin fan. Shout out to Dr. Robin. I think she's back, too. She kind of disappeared. Anyway. And she had this, they had this mother on Oprah who fell asleep at the wheel, wrecked her car, and her, and, like, the car went into water. And I believe her, it was, like, either three or four of her children died. Oh, my God. This is a horrific accident, okay? And Dr. Robin was basically like, listen to me. You got caught. We all do these things. We all do things we know aren't quite safe. We drive when we're tired. We text when we drive. We turn our backs on bathtubs and swimming pools and at zoos. And we all do these things as human beings and particularly as parents because that's just who we are. We're not perfect. No, so, you know, we're not perfect. A situation imperfect. She's like, you just got caught. You got caught the one time you did it and it, you know, and it all came to fruition. But that doesn't make you a bad person. It just means that you got caught, right? I kept thinking about that with regards to, to this scenario because, you know, maybe maybe the zoo giving, you know, total benefit of the doubt to the people criticizing the zoo. Like maybe, yes, there was at a point where they thought, oh, we need to extend this barrier or maybe this mother, you know, was on her phone or who knows. But I mean, we all we're none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. There are accidents. Things happen like. Well, I think they're just we just need a little bit of grace when something this terrible happens instead of deciding that we're going to fix it by finding somebody to blame. I mean, they hadn't had somebody breach a barrier since like 1978 or something. I think we need to understand that sometimes there is no justice. Like they're just mm-hmm. like justice is not available in every situation. It's just not always a thing. And I know that it's uncomfortable to embrace that kind of ambiguity in life. But I think that that is what is required. And if you want to have a separate conversation about why, you know, should zoos exist, have that discussion, but don't weigh in a total freak accident in that analysis. It's a different conversation. I definitely want to have that conversation, though, because I'm sort of, I mean, I'm not opposed to zoos. And I think Cincinnati Zoo is a better one. But there are zoos that feel like theme parks, and that is not okay with me. Like, I was at the Indianapolis Zoo, and they're building a roller coaster. Oh, yeah, I'm sure the animals love that. Like, I just, some of them really bug me. I'm all about keeping animals for, you know, helping in research situations. Or we have a nature station at LBL that's like they can't be out in the wild because they've been injured or for some other reason. And that's fine. But, like, I really think we've, and again, I think this is another conversation our society is beginning to have because of SeaWorld and lots of things. But... You know, animals are not here for our entertainment. That's really not what's going on. But that's what we teach our kids, I feel like, when we take them to circuses and situations like that. So so have that discussion. But that this doesn't have anything to do with that discussion. No. It doesn't. Like, no. it, it just doesn't. It's separate. It's like saying, should we have cars based on the fact that there are freak car accidents sometimes? And that's not even a good example because car accidents are so much more common than something like this happening. I don't think it's completely unrelated because I think the discussion is if we take our final point, which is this was an accident, there is no one to blame. Then we can say, okay, well, since we're acknowledging that accidents are going to happen when you mix animals and humans, what does that mean for, for, are we willing to accept that risk to continue to mix animals and humans, right? I mean, I think that's related. I'll be honest. I do think that's a related point to be had when we say, okay, we can't, no one's to blame. Everyone did the best they could. This is just an accident that's going to happen. And look, like I said, it hadn't happened in the Cincinnati since 1978. But at a certain point, you have to say, we can't prevent this completely. So we have to accept this as a risk. Are we okay with this? Are we okay with situations like the accidents like this happening as a consequence of our decision to 
mix wild animals and people in this way. As long as you keep the probability of the risk as part of that discussion, though, right? right? I mean, this was so unusual. So have the conversation. But building it around one incident like this, to me, to me, just completely loses all perspective on what happened here, how unusual it was, and how painful it has to be for Mm -hmm. everyone involved in every aspect of it. Well, in P.S. Ohio, I think it's Ohio. I think it's either Ohio or Indiana. I can't remember which one, but one of those states has like, when you're talking about mixing animals and wild, wild animals and human beings, has like one of the most lax wild animals as pets regulations in the country. There's some really crazy stuff, a documentary on Netflix you can watch if you're interested in the subject. So I'm just saying in that discussion, before we get to zoos, we might want to start with people who are owning like, you know, lions as pets. Well, I think that's a very fair point. And I do think the risk associated with lions are not pets. Yeah. the, The risk of like Joe down the street owning a lion is completely different than the gorilla world exhibit risk. But P.S., that is a risk. That is a thing. I'm telling you, I don't know if it's Ohio and Indiana, but I'll look it up and I'll put the link to that documentary. I kind of, I maybe fell down a hole, a Netflix hole about wild animals and as pets one day. And at the end, I was like, this is bananas. We have got to do something about this. But so that's a situation that occurs commonly enough to need some results, perhaps. To me, though, this, like this whole justice for Harambe petition, like you cannot write a law to prevent everything bad from happening in the world. It drives me insane. Some things just happen and they're terrible. And all we can do at the end is be kind to each other and be very, very sad. And that's what I think is called for in this situation. And I would really love it if somebody at CNN would say, we're not going to talk anymore about this now because we don't have anything new to say. We're just sorry that it happened. The end. Ha 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 ha. That's so funny, Beth. I know. That's, That's funny. And that's never going to happen, so I don't watch cable news. They, they can take a walk. That's how I feel about cable news. Well, we hope that we brought nuance to this, and we are ending on the note of this is the point. We don't have anything more to say about this. So thanks for joining us for another episode of The Briefcase. We will be back on Tuesday with a regular episode. Until then, you can subscribe to our email list, follow us on Facebook or Twitter, or become a supporter of the show at PaintSuitPoliticsShow.com. Keep it nuanced, y'all. Keep it nuanced, y'all.